Hi, my name is Nikki Dutton, and welcome to the More with Nikki Dutton podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Before we jump in, I want to explain a little bit of what this is. This podcast is dedicated towards discovering more in our life, in our relationships, our faith, our physical spaces, our home. And so each of the conversations and the episodes point in that direction as we uncover the more in our life together. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to be back with you. And I have been thinking about this episode for months now. Uh, If you didn't know, I just celebrated my birthday on July 6th. It was my 29th birthday. And to celebrate, Scott and I went to Galveston, which is a beach in South Texas. And it's about four and a half hours from where we're living right now. And we went there, just spent the days hanging out on the beach, talking, going out to dinner, taking walks in the evening. It was awesome. Awesome. I mean, it was one of my favorite birthdays so far. And I think that around birthdays every year um, or anniversaries or holidays, they, they kind of prompt you to think about what has happened in the time that has passed. And this year was no different, especially as I'm coming up on 30 years old. I'm just starting to think about my life and the things I've seen and the people I've met and the lessons I've learned. And I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way. And I've learned a lot of lessons just from being around incredible people and having amazing opportunities. And so one day when Scott and I were sitting on the beach, I just was writing out this list of 29 things I've learned in my 29 years. There's a million other things, I'm sure, beyond these 29 things. But I just thought it could be fun to just take a second for me (laughs) to reflect on the things that I've learned so far and to share them with you. And hopefully this like prompts you to think about what some of these things might be for you, what are lessons or intentions that you want to have in the next year, and maybe there's one or two on this list that will surprise you. So I'm going to walk through these 29 things, and don't worry, this isn't going to be a 50-hour long podcast, although maybe you'd like that. I don't think I could talk for that long, but I'm going to just breeze through some of these points and then elaborate on a couple that have really stood out to me over these first 29 years. So here we go. Number one, definitely inspired by this recent birthday trip of 29 things I've learned in 29 years is to take a summer vacation, even if it's on a budget. Even if it is asking a family friend if you can spend two days in their lake house or if it's just being really intentional about using the pool that's in your apartment complex and inviting friends over for a barbecue, whatever it looks like, I think that everyone should take a summer vacation. Number two, bodies change over the years. This has been a big one that I've learned the last few years, and I think I might even want to do a podcast episode on this, that especially for women, our bodies change through the different seasons that we go through. And if you were an athlete in high school or in college, and now you're not doing that much physical activity in a week, it can be really hard to watch your body change. But I think that that is normal, and I think that we should normalize the fact that our body bodies do change and just to pay attention to what's healthy for you. Number three, relationships change too. 
And this is something that can be really hard because you can fall in love with a person or a feeling or a relationship and how it is at the very beginning. And when things start to change, you know, all the sirens can go off in your brain. And I read this quote one time that talked about instead of uh, trying to repeat the dance that you learned at your wedding metaphorically over and over and over through the years of your marriage, it's better to learn a new dance. And as you and your partner change, to learn a new way of interacting and being with each other. And this is something huge that Scott and I have been learning. So relationships change too. Number four, positivity is underrated. And I think that there was this thing that happened in culture where uh, it became cool to be cynical or to be rude or to just, you know, tell it like it is. And I am learning a lot about being honest. I'm learning a lot about sharing more of what I'm really thinking, what I'm feeling. But I do think that positivity is so underrated and not just positively putting a spin on something that really is hard. I don't think that's helpful. Uh, But just choosing to look at the things in life that are just pure and that are good. Uh, Scott and I joke all the time. Um, And now if you are around us, you might notice this. If we see something or hear something or watch a video or something that's just pure and just happy, we'll just like give each other a look because I just feel like in the world, um, there are a lot more opportunities just to appreciate something good than we maybe give ourselves space to do. And so number four would be that positivity is underrated. Number five out of 29 things I've learned in 29 years is that trusting God and believing in Jesus and following the Holy Spirit is a lot more unexpected than you would think. I think when I first came to know Jesus when I was 14 years old, I was a part of a great church that was really good about teaching scripture and helping you learn the basics about your faith. And I'm so grateful for that church. They're incredible. But I think as a 14-year-old trying to wrap my mind around like what is Christianity, what is faith, I think I sometimes thought that it would be a stale version of life, that it would be kind of like a boring Bible story, which actually if you read scripture, there's not much that's boring about it. But for me, that hasn't been the case. Actually, when I think about uh, trusting God and if I were to to describe that to you, that has really looked like me stumbling into God's plan. It has looked like me um, just kind of not knowing what God was doing and being unaware of the things that God was uh, making happen. And then I just feel like I fall into these places that if maybe I had had you know, more foresight to know what was happening. I wonder if I would have taken control over the steering wheel and maybe taken that in a different direction. But trusting God, like it has led me to the most unexpected places. And the more I learn about Jesus and the more I learn about the Holy Spirit, the more fascinating it is, uh, the more complex and just interesting. And I think that that is something that I really have learned. Um, I guess I've only known Jesus since I was 14. Uh, officially. So for the last 15 years, that's been something that I've just learned a lot about. Uh, But yeah, that trusting God, believing in Jesus, and following the Holy Spirit is a lot more unexpected than you think. Number six, for most of us, our parents did the best they could and they still made mistakes. So basically to summarize that, that our parents and our families are human. And I know that there are some of you listening to this podcast that have had 
unbelievably difficult family situations, unbelievable pain and trauma in your family. But the older I get and the more I learn about why my family did what they did, and even recently uh, this last week, we actually traveled back to Kansas where my mom's side of our family is from and got to just see my aunts and uncles and cousins and people that I don't get to spend time with at all, really. And it just helps you to get a better image of what your family is, what it's like, and your family history and where things came from. And yeah, I think that our parents did the best they could for most of us, and they still made mistakes. And so even as Scott and I think forward about being parents, I'm trying to hold that with a lot of humility to know that we're going to do the best we can, but there are still going to be mistakes, I'm sure. Number seven, take risk. Okay, so obviously one of the biggest risks that Scott and I have taken in the last few years was quitting our jobs in Georgia and moving across the country to California so that I could volunteer full-time for A21. And the doors that that has opened and the people we've met and just that whole experience has been worth every bit of that risk. But man, was it hard. And has it been hard in the years since we've made that choice because we left an incredibly strong and tight-knit community and kind of stepped out on our own. And I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast yet, but as we were driving from Georgia to California, we didn't even have our apartment set. And we were just believing that it was going to work out, that it was going to be okay. But man, it, it was hard. And there was this infamous breakdown, not of the moving truck, but of me, of my emotions that happened when we were in uh, approaching Phoenix and Arizona, just because it was so much stress and I was scared and just a lot of feelings about that. But the risk was really worth it. And I think that your risk or my risk may not always look like moving across the country. Sometimes it is just uh, putting yourself out there in a relationship or trying to learn a new language or going back to school after it's been a couple years and you've been through life. Like there's just a lot of things that I think can fall into this risk category. But something that I have learned in my first 29 years of life is to take risks. Number eight, this is totally from one of my favorite people, Bob Goff. He talks about this a lot on his podcast, the Dream Big Podcast, is when it comes to your big ambition, your big dream, your big hope, whatever that is, just do the next right thing. So that's what this podcast has been. And I feel like each episode, every month, it's just me putting one foot in front of the other. But when it comes to the things that you hope for for your life, the things you want to do, just do the next right thing. It may not um, be this grand step like moving across the country or it may not be uh, this epic moment. It might be something super small and mundane, but when it comes to your life and when it comes to the things that are important to you, I've learned that the best thing is just to do the next right thing. So uh, if you want to know more about that, you should definitely listen to Bob Koff because he has incredible wisdom about what it looks like to chase your dreams and to pursue your passions really well. 
The next thing I would say is have people in your life who are a couple years older than you. Uh, Some people in my life who have made a huge difference in these first 29 years is Jamie Swank. She was a mentor that I've had for a while. Um, And these other couples, and you've even heard Scott and I reference our pastors that did our premarital counseling and were actually the people who officiated our service. And Jamie was there too, uh, Pastor Rob and Carrie Strickland. And these people, having people in your life that are a couple years older than you just gives so much more perspective to life and what you're going through. Honestly, a ton of the lessons I've learned have come from people who were older than me, people who had uh, just a little bit more life under their belt and just had a little bit more years on the road ahead of me. And yeah, I think that that's something that can be lost, especially in our age, because we just are making friends and we're doing this and we're doing that. And these people, you might meet them in church, you might meet them at your work, you might just meet them in general, but they may even be, uh, you know, parents of some of your friends. Those have been some of our favorite people that I and Scott have met over the years have been some of our friends' parents. But yeah, just make sure if you can to try to have people in your life who are a couple years older than you. Uh, One of my favorite groups of women who are older than me uh, is actually my cohort for the Propel Women and Wheaton program, which I'm literally, as soon as I stop recording this podcast, I'm shutting the computer and Scott's driving me to the airport and I'm flying to Chicago for my very last class of the of not just the year, but of the program, which is crazy. Um, but some of the women in that cohort are a couple years older than me, and they would laugh if they heard this because some of them are a couple decades older than me. And I have loved that so much, and I've just gained so much wisdom from them and the way that they view their families and God and faith and jobs and all of these things. And so if possible, I would say, please try to find women or men or people or couples that are in your life that can be a couple seasons older than you. The next one is that friends are the best part of life. One of the best parts of life. I mean, the friends that I have picked up along the way. You've heard in my very first podcast episode that I don't collect stamps. I don't collect coins. I don't collect whatever. I don't collect Pokemon cards, although maybe I should because there was so much money these days. I feel like I collect friendships. I collect relationships. And the friends that I have collected through the years from high school to Impact 360 to college and life after college, California, Texas, these people, have just made life rich and they the friendships are in all different seasons in all different ways but man I just think that friendships are so worth investing in as you are going through your life whenever you're looking at what's important to you and what matters yeah definitely having those friends is the most important thing I think that you could pursue all right number 11 you've heard me say this on other podcasts episodes that we've done, especially the one with Kelsey McMinn on Raising Kind Humans. But counseling is cool. I mean, just yesterday, Scott and I were in a counseling session and it was a tough one. It was a toughie. And we even ran into one of our friends when we were walking out. And I think he could just tell that, yeah, it had been a toughie. And so counseling isn't always fun. It's not always easy. There are going to be times where you maybe don't drive with a counselor and you need to look for somebody else who kind of matches what you're looking for and all of those things. Counseling can be complicated. But 
man, is it cool. What an awesome resource to have these professionals who have dedicated their life to studying and understanding the way that life works and the way that the mind works and the heart works. And that has been a very, very helpful thing for me. And I don't think I started counseling until I was maybe, um, I think I was maybe right after college was when I went to my first counseling session. But if you have the ability, I, I, totally think it's worth the investment. And um, of course, there are some counselors who are more expensive than others. But even if you don't have health care or if your health care doesn't cover counseling, take a look at some of the community resources that you have and the things that are available to you because, man, <laughs> what a helpful thing counseling has been. Number 12, stay teachable. This is something that I learned at Impact 360, and when I was on staff at Impact 360, my job was to look for students to fill our classes every year, and the whole thing about Impact is that we wanted to have the best of the best students. So if you're listening and you went to Impact, yay, you were the best of the best. But one of the things we always looked for was teachability, and that for us was more important. It outranked Uh, academic ability. It outranked competency. It outranked a lot of things because the teachability factor is huge. And as I've continued my learning in grad school and just in life, this whole idea of staying teachable and remaining teachable and just not ever feeling like you have everything all figured out, that has been massive. That has been a massive thing. And so whether you're, you know, 50 years old and you're in your career and you're just looking to figure out like what that next step is, or if you're 14 years old and you're in high school and you're considering college, that teachability factor cannot be more underrated. I mean, I think that that's something that is not spoken about a lot, uh, but that is a really, really important part of life. All right, number 13 on 29 things that I've learned in 29 years is that health is a journey. And I don't just mean our physical health, although that has been a big one for me. I think that health in general is a journey, wholeness of your heart, health with a healthy relationship with your family, a healthy relationship with the church. All of these things are a journey. And I think that I often want things just to happen. I just want it to be, and I just want it to um, just be good. (laughs) And honestly, what happens is that health is a journey, and it takes time. And something I've even seen physically is that it takes time to learn new habits and to learn new ways of being active. And we talked about in one of these lessons I've learned in the 29 years that our bodies change in different seasons. So learning how to mirror your health to match those things, it it truly is a journey. And so wherever you're at in your health journey, I just think taking that next step and continuing that movement forward is most important. It's kind of like what they say that sometimes it doesn't matter exactly what kind of activity you do in a day, just that you're doing something. And so I think that's important just overall when it comes to health as well. Number 14, I would say having conversations about Jesus and faith doesn't have to be rigid. It doesn't have to be like using a formula. I think, like I said, I'm about to head to my last class for my grad school program, and it's a master's in evangelism and leadership. And so I've learned or I've read, I hope I've learned, but I've read a lot about evangelism and just what that looks like. And there's this term that I've learned in these last 
few years of grad school called Everyday Evangelism. And when I was first, you know, becoming a Christian, I remember we would go on mission trips, local and international, and we would share the gospel. And that's amazing. That's wonderful. But I think that um, I've learned that having conversations about Jesus can be just an everyday thing. And it it doesn't have to just be with people that you're looking to, you know, convert, that you're doing this massive missionary thing. Like, I think that just having conversations with people in general, with your friends, with your professors, with people you meet in your everyday life, with your coworkers, and just understanding that it it's just having those conversations and building those relationships is so much more important than uh, making a conversion happen. And asking questions and seeking to understand is the best thing that we can do. Because I think that because we've grown up in an era that is just marketing saturated, people know when you are just following a script or when you're just trying to, yeah, add a number to your scoreboard for lack of a better term. And so just ask questions, seek to understand, build relationships and understand that um, it, it's not just about um, that moment where someone makes a decision, but you know, faith in life is a lot more complex than that. And so just taking the time to understand and to have questions about Jesus, I think is cool. And just to stay curious, stay curious about other people, stay curious about your faith. And I've heard someone say this very recently that you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have that, um, that love yourself from Christ. And if you've not accepted that or really understood that, then that's going to be really hard to pass on to someone else. Number 15, this is a new one for me. Don't just read nonfiction, read fiction and stories and autobiography as well. So for those of you who haven't picked up a book in a little while and you're like, okay, which one is which? Nonfiction is the not fake stuff. So that's like, you know, these books that make you better or that are about learning, all of those things. So don't just read those books that are nonfiction, that are not fake. Instead, make sure you're giving yourself space to read fiction and stories and autobiographies. I think, especially being in grad school and even in high school and college, you just can get so stuck reading books that are um, almost training your mind. And that's amazing. Those books are so good. But I think it's so helpful and healthy and fun just to get lost in, in a story. And stories the fiction, the fake stories, the things that are not real can sometimes teach you more than a just straightforward book can. And so I actually joined a book club recently and we read a nonfiction book and man, it just made a huge difference. I love, love, loved reading it and just got totally lost in the story. So when you can, make sure that you pick up a couple books that are not just the straightforward uh, self-help growth books. Pick up a couple stories too. Number 16, don't just listen to voices that are like yours. So I think this is important too, um, not to just listen to preachers who are like you or to have friends that look like you or to read books by people who look and mirror the kind of life that you have. I think there have been a lot of conversations about growing in awareness and championing diversity, and I think that is incredible. I think it's long overdue. I think it's something that personally I have a long way to continue to learn and grow in, but I think it's important that a good step in that direction is just not to only listen to voices or follow people 
people on social media or read books by people who look and sound just like you because that can become an echo chamber where you're just hearing your own thoughts, you know, reverberated back to you. Um, I think that it's good when you have someone who thinks differently than you. So even this is kind of maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think even as a Christian, it's important to not only listen to Christian voices. For me, I also will spend time listening to podcasts or following people on social media that do not claim faith and that do not think that all of this is legit. And I think that's really helpful. I think that those people still offer a lot to the world. And I think that also um, it's helpful to understand why they think the way that they do and how do they go through life if they don't have faith. And so I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind. And you have to be careful for sure. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, it's really good to have voices in your life that aren't just like yours. Number 17, short, simple, and sweet. Animals are the best. I get it that a lot of you on this podcast may not like animals. You might be allergic. There could be a million reasons why you're not really into animals. But man, Scout and Trooper, they're the realist. We love those little things. And even going back to my family's farm and like looking at photos from my childhood and my family's childhood, like animals have just always been a part of my world. And I'm just so glad. Number 18, fear and control and perfectionism are all different faces of the same issue. This is something I'm continuing to learn, continuing to learn about, but that um, when it comes to being afraid or anxious, uh, my response to that can often be to buckle down and have more control or just to try to get things perfect and right. And I've just learned that, or I'm starting to learn that all of these are just different faces of the same issue. And so if those are things that you struggle with, um, maybe if you do have a lot of fear, maybe just take a take a glance at where areas in your life that you're trying to control. Or if you find yourself um, really struggling with perfectionism, maybe kind of backtrack and see, is there fear that that is rooted in? Number 19, another simple one, cook at home as much as you can. I have loved going out to eat and grabbing food and ordering DoorDash and like all of those things, but Scott and I talk about there is no meal that matches a meal that we're able to make at home or that we've had um, at friends' houses. Like it just, it's beyond. And it's, of course, it's so much more affordable and all of these things, but man, if you can cook at home, you should absolutely do it. And if you're trying to get back in the habit of cooking at home, like I am, uh, because I think I got into the habit of ordering out or going to pick up food a lot during the pandemic because I couldn't do anything else. So that felt like my outing for the day. (laughs) Then I just think that you could try a HelloFresh or an every plate, like a meal subscription thing and, you know, use one of all the influencers little promo codes so that you can try that. But yeah, cook at home as much as you can. Number 20, the church is imperfect at best and has been hurtful at most, but I just want to say that there are still good churches and there are still good people and pastors and congregations that are trying to love people well. For those that are in my friend group or my community that are not a part of faith or Christianity, a lot of them, their biggest problem has been with the church and has been feeling neglected or disowned or hurt. Um, I've heard some awful stories of people being really, really hurt by the church. And like I said, the church is imperfect at best, but has been really hurtful at most. And so I just, yeah, one thing I have learned is that there are still good churches out there. There are still good people, and it just might take a little while longer to find them. Number 21, we are on the home stretch, people. 
be kind to strangers. So this kind of goes back to one of the other points where I said that positivity is underrated, but just just be nice to people, you know? Um, I think that there's so much that happens in a day, in a person's day, and there's a lot of feelings that get projected on a stranger, whether they're your cashier at Kroger, or if they're serving your food at a drive-thru, or if they're driving next to you in traffic, or if they're passing you on the sidewalk, just be nice to people. Acknowledge people. Look them in the eye. Smile at them. Um, If it is an appropriate situation, talk to them. Ask them their name. Ask them about their day. Um, I've just found that some of the most unexpected conversations come that way. You know, even when you're in an Uber and you just have a small conversation with your driver. I get it. That some days you just need to just be internal and just, you know, rest from all like the extroverted activities. But I still think you can be kind to people even if you aren't super extroverted. Number 22, know your worth professionally. Keep growing and raise your hand for big projects. So something that I've learned in the last five years mostly, and I've learned this from different people I've worked with or uh, from different supervisors I've worked for, is that just in order to grow professionally, one way to do that is that when there is a need in your team, when there's a need in your organization, when there's something that you feel like, hey, I think I could actually be helpful in that way, raise your hand for that project, take a risk and put yourself out there and, you know, vocalize that you want to do this thing, that you're willing to help in this way. I think that sometimes we can just kind of sit back and just like hope that things will work out and that's okay. Uh, but man, it's it's so much better when you can know your worth professionally and really advocate to say, hey, I'd love to take a try at that. I'd love to try to make uh, solve that problem that we have or provide a solution. Always come to the table with solutions if you can. And even if you don't have a solution for a problem, being the the person who initiates solution, who asks questions, who collaborates with their team. That has been a huge lesson that I've learned professionally. Number 23, set up your physical space, whether that's your home, your cubicle, your office, whatever, your kitchen, the way that you like with purpose. And you've heard me talk about how Scott, uh, I think you've heard me talk about how Scott loves to organize things and how one time when we were first married, I came home and he had all my knickknacks from like a box that I'd shoved papers and things in for years. And he had them all laid out on the table and he was like, okay, what do you want to keep and what do you want to go? And so he is the king of intentionality when it comes to space. But I have learned a lot about um, just setting up your your physical spaces in a way that works for you. And even in your car, if that looks like keeping your car clean, taking it to the car wash and vacuuming it out like once every few weeks. I mean, whatever that looks like for you, I have found that it makes a huge difference just in my day-to-day life. And even in this pandemic, we've all been working from home And so um, right now I'm sitting at Scott's desk where he does his work from home. But I remember after a couple days of working from home in our new apartment, I realized that I needed to make a change. And even though it did, it was not, it would not be featured on any design magazine anywhere. I moved our desk right in front of a big window in our room. And that's because if I'm going to sit at this desk all day long, if I'm going to be in this apartment all day long, all week long, then I've got to be able to at least look outside and like see like nature and see life outside of this apartment. And so I think whatever that looks like for you, uh, just try to look at your spaces and consider how could you make some changes that will fit what you like. Maybe it's your style or maybe it's something functional. 
Number 24, have the wedding you want. You can honor people, your parents, your friends, whatever, but you don't have to worry about following certain society standards that are not important to you. Now, if those things are important to you, if you've dreamed about party favors since you were, you know, a little girl or a little guy, then like that's fine absolutely do that. But don't feel like you have to put on this huge production because the worst thing would be at the end of the day to get to the end of one of the most important days of your life and feel like all you did was serve the expectations of other people. So for Scott and I, we chose what was important to us. We wanted to have as many people as we could at our wedding, um, but that meant we didn't really care about having this exquisite meal. So we served pizza and donuts and it was awesome. And for our rehearsal dinner, we had Moe's cater in. I mean, it's just those things, they were yummy. Everyone liked it as much as I knew. And you can still make it cute. You can still make it fun. You can still make it creative. But we did not really have party favors. And there were some things we didn't do that are like the common normal thing. I don't even think I did a bouquet toss now that I think back to it. I don't think I did. So whatever it is that works for you, um, have the wedding that you want. Honor people, but don't feel like you have to cater to the needs of other people, especially on a day as important to that. And that probably you know flows out into other important days of your life as well. Number 25, this is one that Scott said I should include. Don't deflect the hard stuff. The reason Scott that wanted me to include that is because this is something I am growing in and I am learning about and he is helping me because I am the person that when you ask how things are, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. I'm good. Everything's fine. We're good. But I'm learning to find more ways to process the tough stuff and to grow more aware of the things that don't feel okay, that don't feel good and learning how to communicate about that and how to be honest and open with myself and with my prayer life and with my husband and with my friends about the tough stuff. So number 25, coming to you straight from the mouth of Scott Dutton, he says that I'm learning how to not deflect the hard stuff, and I would agree. Last view here, number 26 of 29 things I've learned in 29 years, try to travel, even if it's just to the state next door or a new city that your friend moved to. Uh, I realize that not all of us have the travel blogger budget. I definitely don't. But if you can, just try to travel, even if it's in your own city, just seeing things, museums, or maybe staying, doing a staycation at an Airbnb or um, a hotel, like just getting out of your regular rhythm and seeing new things or seeing, you know, old cities from new perspectives is so helpful and just such a privilege. I recognize that that is such a privilege, but when you have the opportunity to go, go. And when someone invites you and says, you can stay with us anytime, take them up on that offer. Um, and just, yeah, get out there, explore a little bit if you can. And even with COVID and pandemic stuff, it doesn't have to be on a plane and it doesn't have to be around a lot of people. I think that has kind of reworked in our minds the way travel works is that you can take a two hour drive somewhere, stay in an Airbnb, stay super, super safe and still get to see a new city or a new part of your state. Number 27, when it comes to money, live below your means. Invest in the things that matter. For us, 
a good example of that has been grad school. Scott and I, when I started grad school four and a half years ago, forever and ever and ever ago, we were just dating. We knew we wanted to get engaged, wanted to get married. I was working for a nonprofit. He wasn't making a ton of money at the time. And I remember sitting on the front porch of him and his roommate's house. And I was telling him like, I really want to do this, but I just don't know how we'll pay for it. And Scott told me, we work to afford the things that matter most. So we will make it work. And we did. We did payment plans. We, you know, saved here and put there. And we, we did a lot of things to to invest in that because it mattered to us. And um, another thing that matters to us that we like to be intentional about and that we've learned is actually super fun is to be generous, whatever that looks like to someone that you pass by on the street or to someone in your life that you know is going through a hard time or maybe someone in your life that is raising money for um, their own adventure for maybe adoption or something that they're doing. It's really, really fun to be generous. And I don't know that this is like anywhere set in stone, but I do feel like what you give away comes back. And that's not why we give, but that has been something that we've just really enjoyed, even if it just comes back in a different sense. Um, Yeah. When it comes to money, live below your means. That is a toughy, toughy, toughy to do, uh, but that allows you to invest in the things that matter. Number 28, grief is a process and it looks different for everyone in every season. For me, as hard as it is, I'm trying more and more and more just to lean into the hard moments and hard days. And what's hard about grief is that it can happen um, very out of order. So maybe things are okay um, and then one minute they're not. Or maybe someone says something or does something super unintentional, but it just kind of triggers you. It just sets you off. Um, You see a photo, someone brings up, you know, a loved one that you've lost. Grief, yeah, it's a process and it looks different for everyone in every season. But wherever you're at in your process of grief, I would encourage you from someone who's in it too, just to try to lean into it as much as you can. Alrighty guys, the very last one, 29 things. Like I said, I could have done a lot more here, but these are just some of the first 29 that popped into my mind. The last thing I would say is that if faith is something that is important to you, if you identify as a Christian, if that's something that you're even pursuing, I would say I've just learned that it doesn't look squeaky clean or perfect. And that's normal. When you look at scripture, it is full of stories of people who maybe pursued God, who loved God, but were really messy. And I can be really hard on myself to feel like I'm just not doing it right, or I'm missing out, or I am just failing. And that's just not true. That's just not true. It is normal for things to not look perfect or to not look squeaky clean. And what helps with that is to remember that God is love. He is love and we are human, but the growth is worth it. It's so worth it just to keep leaning in. And um, that's what I, one of the things I love about the Christian faith is that it doesn't expect you to be perfect. And instead it gives you kind of this process for what happens when you make a mistake because you will and I will, and we all will, and we'll probably make them again, but how to navigate that and I love that the Christian faith is so um, such an advocate of forgiveness and mercy and grace and love. And so, yeah, if faith is important to you, just know it's okay if it doesn't look perfect because mine definitely does not. 
you're still here, if you're still with me, you are a true friend. Or maybe <laughs> this podcast has just been playing in the background and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that was on. But seriously, if you're here and you've listened to these 29 things that I've learned, these 29 lessons I've learned in 29 years, I hope they were encouraging to you. Maybe there are some that resonated with you. Maybe there are some that you hadn't thought about. Or maybe there's some that just helped you to get to know who I am a little bit more. But I really enjoyed getting just to reflect on these things. And like I said, this list was birthed from sitting on the beach and I had my phone out and Scott and I were sitting there uh, literally on my birthday and just kind of recapping like some of the biggest things that I've learned. So this will at a minimum give you a glimpse into some of the things that have made me who I am today. And hopefully it just encourages you to think about what are some of the things you've learned so far. I'm so excited for some episodes that we have coming up on the podcast. I have some incredible guests that I've already reached out to and am working to get their interviews set up, as well as I think that I'll also kind of mix in podcast episodes where it is just me, where I can share stories, I can talk about what's going on, I can share updates or thoughts. And so whatever you are liking about this podcast, let me know. Whatever you want more of, let me know. Whatever you're like, hey, that was cool. Thanks for trying. Didn't love it. Let me know because I am just enjoying that this whole podcast is just a creative experiment for me. It's just something to try and to just put out into the world. And so, yeah, and if anything, too, I hope that it sparks something in you. Maybe it encourages you to take a try at something creative that you've been thinking about for a while. So until next time, have an amazing, amazing day. And I can't wait to be back with you here soon.